Curtain going up. Curtain going up. Places, please. Overture, stand by. Ladies and gentlemen, she comes to you from the cornfields of Indiana. She loves the Constitution more than she likes most people. Allow me to introduce Shouse in the House. Hey guys. Um, so when I started my podcast, I created a bucket list of people that I wanted to interview. That list is long, but one of the top interviews that I really wanted was a survivor of Nazi Germany. My window of opportunity, unfortunately, to capture this story was rapidly dwindling due to the scenes of time. I reached out to the internet to ask for help, and Tammy Taveras connected me with her mother-in-law, Bridget Decker. Bridget is not a survivor of Nazi Germany exactly, but her story is certainly one that needs to be heard because it is the story of power vacuums left after large wars and the aftermath suffered by the people. I would like to take a moment to offer some historical context to what is going on as her story is unfolding. After Hitler killed himself and Japan surrendered, FDR had hoped that peace could be ensured by keeping the big three, which is Britain, the United States, and the Soviet Union, together, with each policing its own part of the world. This quote-unquote spheres of influence diplomacy did not work because the war had altered the global balance of power by reducing the great nations from six to two, the U.S. and the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union was taking advantage of the newly created vacuums in Europe and Asia. A largely forgotten and seldom discussed result was Joseph Stalin's violation of treaty agreements by turning the occupied countries of Eastern Europe into Soviet-style police states. And with that, I introduce to you the story of Bridget Decker. I really just, I'm very grateful that you agreed to come on and, and tell me your story and the story of your grandmother. Oh, that's no problem. I, uh, of course, we're talking about the Second World War. Uh, yes, ma'am. It was, it started on 1 September uh, 1939, and I was about three years old. And it ended in, in uh, 19... I, Actually, the war was six years and one day. It ended uh, in uh, second, I think, yeah, second September, nineteen forty-five. And uh, again, I was three years old when it, when the war started. And uh, between those six years, a lot of things, sad things, have happened in Germany. And uh, of course, I am not a survivor. But talking about a survivor. My sister-in-law, who passed away uh, a year ago, she had a friend, and uh, he was Polish, and he went to concentration camp at the age of 11, and he wrote a book. I have just started reading it. Uh, I just started reading it. Uh, You know, I had two cataract surgeries, and I couldn't read, but I just started reading it. And he is a true survivor, and uh, I could probably recommend this book to you, too. Uh, Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Uh, Now, my sister-in-law, like I said, died a year ago. I think she was 95 or something. And her friend, I don't know if he's still alive, but he written this book, and it's terrible, terrible what he is describing. And he gave a lot of... uh, he went to a lot of high schools 
and uh, uh, told his story. So uh, before we hang out, uh, I, I can probably text you. I will text you the title of the name and the author. But it is heartbreaking when you read this. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. But anyway, the time uh, during the war, six years, the first thing that happened was, of course, when my grandmother was uh, picked up by the Gestapo in Berlin, in, I believe it was in 1943. Uh, she was very fragile woman. I don't know exactly how old she was, but she had such a hip surgery, and uh, she had a sandbag, believe it or not, a sandbag that was put against her, her break and her hip when she was picked up. And uh, a friend of hers that survived, he, uh, she told us, my mother, that she has evidence that my grandmother went to Auschwitz and uh, and she was gassed. And uh, there are terrible stories uh what has happened. You know, all the Jewish people that were supposed to go in concentration camps were mostly transported in trains. And uh, I heard of one story when, uh, when the train, for instance, stopped at the railroad station they would, the people inside the train would hear sounds of laughter and singing. And so I guess the idea of the Nazis was if these people in the train can hear the laughter and everything, oh, God, <laughs> I'm all They'll think that they're going to a good place. But anyway, so the people in the trains would think, well, maybe there are some good times ahead of us where we were going. And uh, the trains went directly into the camp, which is very sad. Okay, well, that was in 1943. And uh, my mother, of course, it was just terrible. Well, then Bridget, that, can I ask that, you a, a quick yes. question? Can we go back a little bit? So you were three years old when the um, when World War II started. Were yes. you guys in Poland at that time? Is that where you were located? No, no. We are Sherman. Okay. We are Sherman. And okay. We, li we lived in a small village. My the whole family on my mother's side, we're all from Berlin. And okay. uh, so my brother, my mother, and I were all born in Berlin. But uh, my grandparents had a home in Pomer Pomerania. That's where we lived. And okay. I, I don't know when we moved there. I might have been uh, maybe three, two years old. I don't know. But my grandmother went back to Berlin. And, and that's where her, the, the Gestapo picked her up in Berlin. And did she we go were, into hiding? Do you know? Like, did she go into hiding when she went back to Berlin? Or how did, how did they, yeah, well, how did she evade capture for five years? I guess is my first question. Uh, say that again, please. I, I was just curious how she was capable or able to evade capture between 1939 and 1943. Well, I don't know. She, I don't know if I understand. But, but anyway, we moved. My grandmother moved back to, to Berlin. And I believe she uh, 
she was staying with family members. Okay. And, uh, I I can tell you a little bit more about this. Um, I uh, um, let's see. Let me let me just think. Okay. Well, I have a cousin who is also deceased. He uh, uh, gave me a, uh, a uh, excuse me when I am looking for some English of his diary. Okay. He he wrote a diary about the time his family lived in Berlin, and he knew about my grandmother too. And I was looking for that diary um, before I was going to call you, but I don't know where it is. Uh, you know, I'm in a wheelchair, and I have caretakers. They put away things. So, uh, but when I have it, I can tell you more about the time in Berlin. That's right fine, now, Bridget. No worries. I was just curious. You don't. It's okay. Um, let's yeah. go back to your family. So your grandmother was taken in 1943 to Auschwitz. Yeah. And then yeah. what happened with your family at that point? Okay. Well, my brother, my father, my mother, and I, we all lived in a house in Puppet, which uh, it, I think it's Pomerania. You could probably look that up. And uh, we we lived in my grandmother's home. So anyway, uh, what I can tell you now, let me just think. Um, I can go a little bit ahead. In 1945, well, no, uh, hold on a minute. I, I need to uh, just think a little bit. That's okay. Take your time. Well, There's I no guess, rush at all. I guess we can talk about 1944. Okay. That's when the Russians came into our village and uh, uh, caused us many, many pains. Uh, at the time when I was in, uh, about eight or nine years old, uh, I called the Russians and animals. They were just like animals, what they have done. Anyway, uh, I believe it was in 1944 when the Russians came one day and said, you all have to leave by tomorrow. So we were ready, uh, the four of us, to leave the next morning and not really know where to go. Well, during the, in the evening before, we had uh, some other people that had already left uh, in other places. They wanted to stop and see if they can stay in our house overnight. And there were two women, and they came with a with a uh, uh, a wagon pulled by two horses, and uh, they stayed overnight. And the next morning, we all got on their wagon, the two women, my father, my mother, my brother, and I. And I was sitting in front. Uh, that was, uh, you know, uh, leading the horses, right? And mm -hmm. every everybody else was in, in the wagon in the, uh, that that the horses were pulling. Uh, so my family and those two women. So we were traveling. I guess we do. I don't know whether we knew of our destination, but on the way down, it was bitter cold. It was one of the coldest winters. Bitter, bitter cold. And uh, so we all went 
underwagon. All this, um, the two women and my family, and we were traveling. And on the way, we, the roads were icy. The roads were icy. And all around us, uh, in the distance, we saw the villages burning. They're burning everywhere. And uh, it happened so that our wagon, uh, the horses, we, uh, we, uh, we tripped and we ended up in a ditch. The horses, the wagon, and everybody, uh, because the roads were so icy and the right. horses. So anyway, somehow we got back on the road and traveled some more, still on icy roads and burning villages. And we were suddenly stopped by Russians, by Russian soldiers. And they told us, all you go, all you, no, no. They said, my father, do you have any weapons? And my father said, no, you know, no. And they searched, they searched the wagon and they found weapons. These two women had some sports guns from her husband, but my father didn't go. So the Russian said, you all go and get off the wagon, and you stand right there by the wall and stand against the wall. You put your face against the wall. So everybody got out. My father, everybody except me. I stayed on in the front, and everybody had to stand up in the wall. And I screamed, I screamed, I screamed, I screamed, I tell you, uh, uh, Heather. And finally, because it looked like they were going to shoot them. So finally, after my crying and, and screaming, they let everybody go. And so we all were again on the wagon with the horses, and we traveled some more. And then for some reason, uh, we were able to return. It took about five days, and we returned after five days. I remember, you know, I had a little dachshund, uh, my, 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 my pet. Uh, it was a beautiful red, red uh, dachshund. And he was, as, as we approached my house, uh, he was sitting on, on the hill, and he was icy. His, 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 he was full of ice. And uh, everybody was happy that my dog was still there. Um, so when we returned, our basement, every, my, 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 uh, my grandmother used to do a lot of canning, vegetables and fruits. And when we returned and we went down in the cellar, everything was smashed down on the floor. It was a terrible mess. It was a terrible mess. So anyway, so then uh, we were all back in our home, and so it was February of 1945 when the Russians came one day. Now my brother, you know my brother again, my father, mother, and myself, and we were just in the living room. It was still very cold. My father just had a shirt on, and. Uh, so the Russians came to our house. Uh, they were taking all the men and, and, and young men and older men and picked them up 
took him out of a house and put him on, on uh, a truck or something. And uh, so my brother and my father were taken away. And uh, my father, like I said, had only a shirt on and uh, that I remember. And uh, they were taken off. And I, I, I ran after them. And I just saw them taking off. And I just remember saying, Daddy, 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 please come back, you know. Um, it's such a long time ago, but I still, you know, have feelings. Yeah. So anyway, that was the last that I saw my, 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 my father. So on the way, one day, one day, it was in the afternoon, and we looked in the yard, and there was my brother. He was 18, he was 10 years older than I, he was 18, 18. He was growing on a cane. He had, his hair was all, he had no hair, he was raised, you know. He had a hat on, because they, they cut all his hair. And he was going on a cane, 18 years so, old. And he told us that my father told my brother, why don't you try to escape so at least one of us can go home? So my brother, I don't know exactly, but he ended up in a, in a hospital again, 18 years old. And he escaped. And so my brother was back home, but my father, we never saw him again. And we believe that they took him to Siberia, a bit of cold. And um, we don't know whether he survived. Uh, we had the Red Cross uh, search for him. And we finally realized that he was not coming back. So then we were back at home. My mother, uh, well, wait a minute. Well, I guess my what I'm trying to say now, the Russians were very, very known for raping women. In fact, they were supposed, it was said that in Berlin, they raped about 100,000 women. And uh, they were known for that. Well, that was one time, too, when my father and my brother were gone. The Russians would come every day. And one day, they took my mother up to, that's why my brother was still gone too. So it was just my mother and I. So they came and took my mother upstairs, uh, wanted to rape her. I mean, it was obvious. And I was standing down by the step and I was crying upstairs and I was screaming too. I said, baby, come down, come down. And, uh, like I said, I was standing downstairs and upstairs the soldier and my mother. And uh, so I kept saying, Mommy, Mommy, come down. And so finally, the soldier let my mother go. So that is the second time that I rescued some people. So anyway, my mother came down. And uh, of course, my brother, they were still not there. This was all before my brother came back. The Russians would come every day. And I remember in the evening, all the women, we got together. And they put scarves over their head so they looked old. And we all, I remember we all, all the women of the village, we were sitting in circles 
and uh, we, they all looked like, you know, they're old women. And uh, the Russians would come in with a flashlight, and, you know, and, uh, but I don't remember that they uh, ever took somebody. All I remember is that they came with a flashlight. Uh, so, and that happens uh, frequently. Uh, the one thing that I remember when my father was still there, well, and also, uh, we saw uh, wagons or trucks coming through our yard that had women loaded on their, yard, on their trucks. And you know what was going to happen with them. Uh, again, they were famous for raping women. So we could see that they're driving through our yard with the head women on the truck. One day they came, they had about five chickens. They had killed five chickens down in the village. And they brought the village, I mean, they brought the, the chickens and told my father to cook them. So I remember my father, we had to cook those chickens for them. That is something that I remember. So anyway. Okay, well, so when they took my father, that was in February 1945. And uh, so we lived uh, until November. Of course, uh, let me see. Well, that was just my brother, my mother, and myself. And uh, uh, let's see. Well, so anyway, we lived in my, in, in my house until November 1945. On the day of my birthday, I was nine years old, and we were expelled by the Polish people. They wanted, of course, during the war, it was, it, it, it turned out the Polish people took over this village. They were ended. Poland was annexed to Germany, if you understand what, what I'm saying. I do, yes. Okay. Do. So suddenly we had the Polish people, and they uh, wanted us to leave unless we were willing to accept the Polish, uh, 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 Polish uh, what do you call it? Citizenship or sovereignty. What do you call it? Uh, Polish, uh, my God. I can't think of the word, but anyway, if we accepted uh, to uh, to become Polish people, right? Polish citizenship. Say it again. Citizenship. Citizenship, exactly. Yes. Yes. And, and that we uh, agreed to become a Polish citizen, we could stay, but we decided we didn't want this, so we had to leave again, and that's when we started to become. Well, we were refugees, but we were really not refugees. We were, uh, uh, there's another word in German, uh, because we were forced at our house. And uh, so we traveled and traveled several days. I don't know. We took trains, and I guess we're on the way into uh, uh, into some other places in Germany. And... Uh, we finally were, the, gov- the German government uh, finally uh, had found a, a home for us where we were renting. Uh, we were renting the apartment of one German family, and they were very upset because they had to take us uh, because that family 
wanted to keep that apartment upstairs for their daughter. So they were forced to take us in. And uh, so there was, uh, no, I don't think, too far where we used to live. Uh, so we lived there several years. And, uh, you know, my brother found a job working for farmers. And uh, it was still a bad time. Well, I don't know if that was the time. There was a time when we really didn't have much food. Now, I don't know if that was what year that was, but times are very, very bad for us. My mother, now, I cannot tell you exactly what this was, but I, I guess it was after the war. Uh, we still didn't have much food. And my my brother, yeah, okay, my brother went to work for a farmer so he could get some food. And my mother and I, uh, my mother went practically begging. She went out to the farmers, uh, to other farmers near, uh, near our house. And she was practically saying, when she was going to the farmer, she, she was kind of joking. She said, can I have, can I please have one potato? And it was very bad. And uh, so, my mother went begging for food for me and my, for my mother and myself. And I, I think that was after the war. Uh, we didn't have good times even after the war, you know? Uh, so anyway, uh, that is practically, you know, I went back, I went to school, you know, I, uh, uh, my mother took me to a, to a, uh, uh, after high school, I she took me to a college there, and uh, it was a private college, and they were teaching uh, Latin, and I had the first year of Latin, and I didn't like it. I really, so my mother took me off, but I, I went to a different middle school, uh, a middle college or whatever, and, uh, but anyway, I got my education, you know, high school degree. And my brother had never been able to really uh, get an, uh, an education uh, because what happened to him. So uh, he was a very intelligent man, was not able, you know, to go to school and college and all that. So he ended up being a truck driver. And, uh, yeah, my brother passed away maybe four years ago. And he was, uh, I think he had. Now he, of course, we. Uh, I had married in the meantime, and you know, married my husband, and everything, and that's about it, uh, Heather. So tell me how you met your husband and how you ended up in the United States. Yes. Uh, okay. Um, when I, you know, was seventeen, eighteen, I wanted to do, be a uh, photographer, and my mother took me to a photographer's store. Well, I was going to have an apprentice uh, being a uh, uh, photographer. And uh, so there was a young man and I, we were two apprentices for that Photoshop. And uh, so uh, I guess it was the first year we had, uh, well, there was a shop too. So we were selling and everything. Uh, And that was in a town or city where the Canadians, were stationed, not the Americans, the Canadians. 
Men. Der er et sted, en over sætte og for many years. And uh, so anyway, um, so when I was uh, maybe 17 or 18, oh, okay, no. And when I was going as an apprentice, I was also sometimes going into the store because I spoke a little bit English. But anyway, one time, uh, a, a woman, came, a lady came in the store. And we were talking, and uh, as I found out, she, her parents were living in England, and she asked me if I was interested in an au pair living with, with her parents. And that sounded very good. So within a few days, I had my ticket, and I went to England. I, I lived with her family, I mean with her parents, for over a year. And uh, they lived on in Stratford on Avon. That is the birthplace of Shakespeare. Of Shakespeare. And, I actually uh, lived in England for a while, and I've been to oh, Stratford yeah? upon Avon. Yes, ma'am. Uh huh. Well, anyway, I stayed with them uh, a little over a year while I was there. Uh, the wife. She went one day. She went away to a book club or something, and uh, she had a accident that one night and then the accident she was killed so I remember the police coming to to the house well and her husband happened to be in the hospital at the same time so the police came one night and woke me up and they were telling me that Mrs. Wahidi was was dead uh, died in a car accident so I stayed on a little bit longer I just for her husband and myself. So then I went went back home, and uh, that was in nineteen uh, let's see nineteen fifty six, and uh, I went to work for the Canadians. I worked in the supply and transport uh, 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 office, and I worked there four years, from nineteen fifty six to nineteen sixty. Let's see. <laughs> That time, of course, my brother and my mother and I, we moved. We moved to a city uh, where I was still living. Uh, it, it was in Westphalia. Uh, we lived there, you know. And and then the uh, the American. That was when the Vietnam War started, and uh, they sent my husband. Well, my my my. They said we were not. Uh, that's before I met him. Uh, he came over to uh, to help out uh, because uh, the Vietnam had just started, right? So uh, he was sent over to Germany, and uh, well, 1956 to 60, I worked for the Canadians, and then we moved. Like I told you before. And from 1960 to 1964, I had a job with the Americans because the Americans were stationed there in our, in our, in Germany, all over. And, uh, so I worked, uh, four years, uh, I had a good paying job because I spoke good English. And, uh, so, um, a friend of mine got married, and she got married 
to an American officer and had uh, their wedding at the officer's club. And uh, that's where I met my husband, my future husband. We we met and uh, we started dating about uh, three years or so. And, uh, yeah, well, in the meantime, uh, see, I'm trying to get this all in sequence. Well, of course, my husband went to Vietnam twice. Well, God, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But anyway, eventually, in 1964, uh, I was on my way to, to America. My husband had gotten back. Uh, it was in Fort Sill, Oklahoma, where my, uh, where we got married. Uh, that was in, uh, January of 65. So I got, we got married in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. And, uh, so, but, uh, during these times when he was in the military, he was sent to Vietnam twice. And, uh, in, I think the first time was in, uh, 60, about 68, my son was born, okay, well, then my husband from Fort Hill, he was sent to uh, Brookings, South Dakota, uh, to teach ROTC at the university. So uh, we lived in Brookings, and it was then in 1968 that he was uh, going to Vietnam on his first, first assignment. And that's when my son was born. My son was born in Brookings, South Dakota, uh, where my husband was teaching ROTC, and I worked in the foreign language department. And uh, so that's when my son was born, in, on 1 January 1968. And uh, so my husband did not see my son until he was nine months old. And, uh, yeah, so... Was that hard for you, Bridget, knowing, like, living almost the same situation that you did when you were little? Was that hard for you to watch your husband go to Vietnam um, after watching your dad get pulled away for Russia? Was that really a a hard thing for you? It was terrible. Now, I was able to go back to Germany every time. Of course, the second time with my baby son. And I always got my job back. And so during the year that he was gone, I was able to work. And my mother, see, I, I took my my son back to her mother, to my mother every morning, and she would babysit. And then uh, after years, and he would went to travel in kindergarten. And my son was pretty good in German language. And uh, yeah, yeah. So my husband uh, died uh, about ten years ago. And of course, uh, I ended up in the wheelchair. I, yeah, well, that's another story. But anyway, that's about the end of it, uh, Heather. As much as I can remember everything. Did no, you record I, all that? I did record all of that, and I'd like to ask you a couple more questions, if you don't mind staying on with yeah, me to answer sure, them. Sure. Um, given that you are in the United States and you have lived through so much, you, I mean, you just went through almost a century's worth of, of life, right? Like as far as the things that have taken place. And I wonder, 
um, living here in the United States, having been through everything that you have seen historically and experienced, what do you think the path is that the United States is on right now with regards to uh, government and uh, societal culture and things like that? Can you talk oh. a little bit about what you oh see going God. on right now? It's unbelievable. If we don't do, if we're not doing anything, we're going to be ending up as a socialist country. We are already on the way with the, with the, with the school, with the children, everything, everything is already uh, starting to look like a little bit like a socialist. It's unbelievable what's going on right now, Heather. Do you, how do you feel about right now? One of the biggest hot button topics in the country right now is gun control, removing guns away from citizens. As somebody who has lived through multiple wars at this point, is that a position that you would support or do no. you think that Americans no. should, should still have that right? Of course, of course. And, and whenever there is a shooting, they blame it on the guns. In fact, we have in the states a very big problem with mentality, with with uh, uh, yeah, with uh, like mental, mental health. God, what, what's the word now? Yeah, um, mental health. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, it, 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 it's really a problem, and uh, they're really not doing too much about it. But it's mostly these people. They uh, they are uh, yeah. Well, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, with a mental, you know, they're mentally ill, right? Most yes. of us. Just like this last one uh, that went through the uh, uh, 4th of July parade. Yes, yeah. And, you know, the, the police already knew about him uh, a year ago or two years, you know, when they had him already talking to the police. But, of course, they didn't do anything, right? And, right. Uh, that happens so often that uh, that's why you say when you see something, say something, right? And yeah, uh, yeah well, no, it's it, uh, with Biden, it, and, uh, I, uh, it, it's just unbelievable. I don't know which side you are on, but uh, this is uh, young people, of course, they don't know what socialism is. They think it's cool, you know? They don't know all the socialism countries, you know, Venezuela in all these countries. There is a saying, you know, Margaret Thatcher, do you remember, she was the Prime Minister of England. She said, you know, socialism is when you run, when they run out of other people's money. Did you hear what I said? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, that's what it is. That's socialism. They collect, uh, you know, they give you money, they pay for everything from, from, from cradles until you die. And, uh, Is it hard for you to see that, that lessons are not learned, that giving government more control in exchange for liberty and freedom is not a good option? Is that difficult for you to watch as someone who's looking for that? Yes. yes. And, you know, there are a lot of people. Uh, we have a uh, community website. You know, it's called Next Door. And uh, people, uh, it's really not political. There was just uh, someone was just saying about the 4th of July and everything. Uh, 
and uh, freedom. Uh, this one one person was put a post in, in in the website, and there was a lady that put a post in that replied, "Well, in order to get our freedom, we better get rid of the Republicans on all levels." That's what she said. No, no, my husband and we are Republicans, and uh, I. Uh, Oh, my husband would be, oh, my God, if he knew what was going on, terrible. Yeah, he'd have a hard time with it, probably. It's terrible. It's terrible, Heather. How do you think, if I were to ask you right now, what do you think we could do to change it? What do you think is something that, if you if you don't think we're on the right path, what do you think we can do as a nation to redirect and get back on a better path? away from socialism? How do you think we do that? Well, the problem is, ever since Biden came out and everything he did, well, first of all, he canceled everything, uh, starting up with the, with the gas. We were energy independent, and now we're begging for gas and energy in Saudi countries. Uh, so uh, that was one thing that flopped. Uh, the borders, that was going under control. We got the open borders now. Uh, people are coming from. I mean, this is out of control. So then the 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 the, the, the war in the in, in the Afghanistan. He he let out all uh, uh, the troops where he should have let out all the civilians and all the allies that helped the Americans as interpreters. These all these people left behind in, in Afghanistan. That was another flop. Everything he did ended like a flop. Nothing. He did nothing. Everything. And uh, there are other things, I guess. That uh, so yeah. What can be done? What can be done? We need another president. Then we can fix all this. Biden can fix it. A lot of Democrats know. Uh, are already voicing their opinion against Biden because they don't like what they see. You know, he was a very moderate man when he started, when he became president, but he alluded now to the left, to the progressive. So uh, a lot of moderates, the Democrats, don't like what they see. Right. So sometimes I wonder... I I I wonder, Bridget. Um, given what you experienced at the hands of the Russians at the end of World War II, how do you feel about the United States involvement, and how do you feel about the Ukraine-Russia war? I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't know. We should spend that much money, you know. Yeah. And, uh, of course, they have NATO now, and uh, a couple of new countries are joining NATO, and they're getting a lot stronger. Yes, I'm not too sure um, if that was the right thing. It's hard to say, you know, when you uh, see Russia is doing, and, uh, yeah, well, Russia, that's another subject. Um, I don't know, but I don't think we should spend that much money when we are all in, in deep debt and, uh, yeah, well, you know, the number, so I, I don't think, uh, at least we shouldn't spend all that money, you know? So, yeah, uh, yeah. 
maybe it would have been better not to get involved. I don't know. But, uh, but you know, the money uh, we're spending now, the Democrats, what they all want to do, uh, excuse all the student loans. And uh, you, you can... You can just say and 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 whatever they want to uh, give out, you know, on top of our big debt. Yeah. Yeah. I've had you for a, an hour now, and I feel really bad about that. But I I want to tell you again one more time how grateful I am for you sharing your story with me and my audience. They're going to love you. I would like to stay in contact with you. You have my phone number now. Um, please text me the name of the book. Please don't forget to do that. Yes. And yes. also, if you don't mind, if you, when you're, I know you're in a wheelchair and you do have um, some aids that help you. If you don't mind, maybe sending me some pictures of you so that I can include that with the podcast episode. That would be really awesome. Maybe one yes. of you and your husband or you and your husband and your kids or something like that. I would, I would love to be yeah, able to put I a face with the story. Right now, right now, Heather, I, uh, yeah, well, of some earlier pictures, I, uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, I'm glad to. I have some pictures uh, that I built too long ago, and uh, uh, younger pictures, maybe two, when uh, I was younger. I don't know if I have any when I was 10 years old, but I will go through all the pictures. In fact, you know, I am trying to see I'm eighty five now and uh I'm very healthy, Heather. I am very healthy. At at my age of eighty five I only take one medication. Whereas when my husband died, he had a long list of medications he had to take every day. And there are a lot of when I go and see a doctor or someone Oh, my caretakers, they can't believe it. What? Taking only one medication? See, I'm healthy. I, the only thing is that I have weakness in my legs. And, of course, that's another story that started about 20 years ago, and I ended up in a wheelchair. But I'm very happy it doesn't bother me. Uh, I uh, still live in my home. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, of course, Tammy is my daughter-in-law. And Mark and uh, they are back in L.A. now. Uh, you probably know. I don't know how much you know about them. But anyway, yeah. yes, I, I can tell you. I have been looking. Anyway, I was saying since I am 85 and I'm trying to get things organized in case when I am not here anymore, I I don't want to leave a big mess with everything, you know. <laughs> That's very so, kind of you because have, not everybody <laughs> thinks about that. <laughs> but you know, I have I have heard horror stories from friends when they uh, mother passed away and they went through the house and you know so I'm trying I'm trying uh, get a little bit more organized and giving things away to goodwill and uh, uh, you know I have so much so much uh, Heather. I mean, <laughs> you know, as far as uh, cider and, you know, we used to entertain quite a bit. And, and whenever, you know, I always bought everything that for my household and I used to bake a lot and cook a lot. So I have a lot of nice dishes. I just gave some good dishes away to uh, to uh, Goodwill and uh, 
So anyway, I'm going through pictures too, and I will think of you, Heather, and uh, uh, we'll send you a cup, okay? Thank you, Bridget. I appreciate that. And recipes too. If you were a baker and a cook, I want all the good recipes too. You text those to me. Okay. Okay, Heather. Okay. Thank you so much, Bridget. You take care and have a great day. You're You're very welcome. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to be notified whenever we have another episode come up, please subscribe. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. Please make it a great day in America. This is the country where few people leave, too many people want to enter, and dead people still vote. Take care. I know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death!